0: I'm always searching for, you know, well, what's going to take me that extra step? What is going to show me something new about myself? What is going to make me just a little bit stronger? That's what I'm looking for.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and today we're going all the way back. To October 2018 to share probably one of my favorite episodes of all time. Like it's an original OG old school Seek the Joy episode with Myrna Valerio, also known as the Myrnavator. Myrna is an ultra-marathon runner, full-time adventurer, author, former educator, mom. She's just so kind, full of love and joy, and just an all-around inspiration. And I had the best time connecting with her three years ago. I cannot believe it's been that long. Myrna is just a force of nature, and I'm just so excited to share this episode with you again because her story, her voice, and her mission of empowerment and body positivity and adventure is always so timely. And I just know you're gonna love it. So in this episode we chat all about Myrna's love for running and adventure and why curiosity is an essential part of our growth. She shares with us this epic race that she had just completed at the time, the Trans Rockies Run. It's a six-day stage race covering 120 miles across the Colorado Rockies. And we talk about how perseverance, spirit, and community really lifted her up and pushed her to the finish line. Myrna then opens up about living her life publicly and how being vulnerable has inspired others to push outside of their comfort zones too and and also choose adventure. We also chat about redefining athleticism, the inspiration behind her blog, Fat Girl Running, the REI documentary, and her book, A Beautiful Work in Progress. Myrna shares with us how she deals with negative comments online and why it's so important to embrace the body that we're in, the challenges that she's taken on next. And again, this was three years ago, so so much I know in her life has changed and just blossomed, but there's so much good stuff in this episode. I, I can't wait for you to hear it. One of the reasons why I do this podcast is because I really want you to be able to live a happier, more joyful, and just ease-filled life. And so that's why I'm so happy to share that today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. The last year and a half, there is no doubt it's been difficult. And that's why I think now more than ever, it's important that we have reliable resources that we can turn to. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. So this is how it works. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's easy and free to change counselors if you don't think the person you're matched with is a good fit. And this service is available for people worldwide, too. BetterHelp also offers a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, so you'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too. So as a listener of Seek the Joy podcast, you will get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash seek the joy join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash seek the joy the link will also be included in our show notes There's so much that I loved about this episode with Myrna, but her words on fear and failure and why it's been so important for her to show people that they can have fear and you can fail, but you can still keep living and going and trying new things. I just think it's always an important reminder. And I think especially right now, as so many of us are still in such a limbo state with COVID, it's the encouragement that we need to keep moving forward and reflect on where we are and be curious and so it's just it's such a wonderful conversation Myrna thank you again for this one as always I can't wait to hear what you think about today's new episode so make sure to join the conversation on our social media channels Instagram Facebook Twitter and LinkedIn we are at seek the joy podcast everywhere and I have just been honestly so appreciative of the feedback from So many of you who are tuning back into these episodes after you heard them like three years ago or two years ago or earlier this year. So thank you for that. It's been so necessary for me to hit pause right now and just refresh and relax a little bit for the first time in four years of doing the podcast. I've never taken a break from sharing new episodes. So I am just so grateful that you're here and that you're tuning in and I just know you're gonna get so many good nuggets of wisdom. So without further ado, Let's dive into this one, choosing a life of adventure, redefining athleticism, and embracing the body we're in with Myrna Valerio,
0: aka the Myrnavator. So, Thank you, um, first of all, Sydney, for having me on your show. I always uh, feel like it's an honor. I mean, it is an honor to, to share my story with different communities, so I really appreciate that. I can't introduce myself like a math professor of mine <laughs> once that. he runs into the room and he goes serendipity. <laughs> and, uh, um, Did he really that, do that? That's amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I was a freshman in college and he just runs in and goes serendipity and does a twirl and a flourish and, and, uh, you know, if I could introduce myself that way, that would be great. But actually, <laughs> <laughs> well, my life has been uh, one serendipitous event after another. But anyway, my name is Myrna Valerio, also known as the Myrnavator. Um, and I am, as you said, an ultramarathoner. I uh, consider myself a professional Full time adventurer now. Um, I am a writer. I wrote a book called A Beautiful Work in Progress that is almost a year old in publication date. Wow! And uh, I am an ex teacher, a former teacher. I just left my teaching job of um, or my teaching career of eighteen years a few months ago. I am I am probably leaving some stuff out. I'm a mom. 15-year-old uh, teenage boy uh, who is currently in boarding school right now. And uh, I know I left something out, but we can get to that. Yeah.
1: But <laughs> so, I think it's one of those things, right, where you do where you do so much and you wear so many hats. So I think it's always – it's hard to introduce ourselves, right? Or it's, yes. it's hard to cover everything. But I don't even know where to start considering you wear so many hats. <laughs> but where did this love for – ultra marathons and ultra running and these extraordinary long distances, where did they really begin?
0: Uh, Well, I've always been a runner since high school. I I ran during field hockey and lacrosse seasons and, and throughout the year, actually, to get better at both of those sports. And I just, and by default, I fell in love with running. And so I, you know, except for a four year long period where I didn't Do anything, anything physical. Um, When I lived down in Maryland and my first year that I lived in New Jersey, I have always run. And so um, when I had this health scare in 2008, that prompted me to start running again because that was after the. Four-year hiatus, yeah. <laughs> and I started out with 5Ks again because I had done 5Ks and 10Ks um, before, so I had to start out slowly with with a mile, two miles, three miles, 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, and you know. <laughs> that sounds very logical, but it took a very long time to get to a point where I was running five K's and then running half marathons and marathons. So just so no one thinks that one day I was running a five K and the next day I decided I wanted to run a half marathon. Yeah. It wasn't like it, it built up very slowly. And so back in 2011, I did my first full marathon. And that was the Marine Corps marathon. I love the training. Um, it was the year that I started my blog because I kind of wanted to not only chronicle my training, but I wanted to share with people stories that I had, uh, about running long distances in my body, which is, um, a plus size body. Um, and I took it from there. After my first marathon, even though I was in a lot of pain, I was like, well, I have to do this again because i want to get better. I want to have a better time. I want to feel better. I want to recover better. And so I signed up for a bunch of marathons. 2013, I did my first ultra. And that was because <laughs> <laughs> I had some curiosity about running distances longer than 26.2 miles. But when I finished my First trail marathon. I had already done, I think, three road marathons at this point, two or three. And mm-hmm. uh, the Base director, who was a friend, at the end, when he's putting uh, my medal on me, um, from finishing my trail marathon, th- doesn't really say congratulations. He says, next year, 50K, right? Wow. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> And no I'm pressure. Like, no pressure, right? I just want to go sit down <laughs> and <laughs> hang with my family, recover a little bit and you know <laughs> and drink my Gatorade. And this one's like 50K next year. So but that planted a seed and I did it. Like I the next year, you know, as soon as registration um appeared, I signed up for the 50K and I did it. Loved it. Loved the training. I loved having to seek out trails to run to get my training in. I love being outside for hours and hours at a time because I am a slow runner. Mm. And, um, and it was just, it just became part of my lifestyle, finding these ultra marathons and marathons and, and, you know, just super long distance, um, events and testing my body, testing my mind, um, seeing what I can do, seeing how, far I could push myself. Um, and so, so that's, you know, that was the genesis of the, the motivator, the ultramarathoner. (laughs) Yeah. So just one day I'm going to do an ultramarathon. (laughs) Yeah. I love how it was really
1: one day you just were like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep chasing this because I love the way it makes me feel. And what you touched on with just that level of curiosity of well, what, what would it be like to push my body further or farther or, I I think that's an amazing mindset and not too many people, I don't know if we think that way. I think we're like, oh my God, a 50K, like that just sounds intimidating, but you really have such a different and positive and I guess you could say growth mindset around, around all of it.
0: Yeah. You know, that's a very teacherly term. <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfect. I definitely have a growth mindset. I have always been extremely curious. And, and it's funny because my mom is with me on vacation and she's listening right now. Um, I've been, I've always been super curious, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes to the chagrin, <laughs> my mom. you know, just in terms of, my own personal safety. And, um, and you know, I'm always like looking over cliff edges and things like that. And, um, and just going into like trails that I've randomly find in different country in different countries. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, cause I always have this curiosity and I think that is an essential part of, of adventure. It's, I think it's an essential part of keeping life interesting and, and, you know, always having different goals in my head, whether they're physical goals, intellectual goals, social goals, whatever kind of goals I have. Um, I, I, it definitely needs an element of curiosity. I'm like, what's next or what? what's around this bend or, you know, (laughs) um, or, you know, what's in that dark cave? (laughs) Which for a lot of us would be, oh, I'm not going in that
1: dark cave. Like I'm afraid of what's next or I have Mm -hmm. fear centered around it. But it almost sounds like you live with no fear.
0: Oh, I have a lot of fear. (laughs) (laughs) So Don't don't get it it twisted. I have fear. I have so much fear. But sometimes you just have to, you, you acknowledge the fear and you have it, but you go into a situation with that fear yeah. and just keep acknowledging that you have it and work through it. And, you know, I, I do have a fear of dark spaces. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll just, you know, but the curiosity in me is greater, a, a lot of times is greater than that that actual um, fear. And so I'll, even though the fear is um, ever present, I will continue walking towards the darkness, looking in, being careful, looking in, and, and you know, and little by little becoming a little bit more comfortable with uh, having that fear present. And it's, you know, again, it's always there. And, but I think, you know, people de- deal with fear differently. Some people... Right. Allow it to block them. Um, some people fully embrace it, and and they allow it to kind of <laughs> pump up their adrenaline. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's about whether or not it paralyzes you or it motivates you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've definitely been in situations where I have definitely been, you know, had that fear paralyze me. Um, But (laughs) uh, I'll give you an example. One time I was um, doing testing for one of the events that I really love to do, which is Tough Mudder. And it's an obstacle um, course uh, event, not a race. And I uh, was doing testing somewhere in Pennsylvania um, and they had this obstacle that someone had designed that was, I wanna say 30 feet off the ground and it was just jumping off of a ledge onto this, um, inflated thing yeah. <laughs> below. And there was that, that was the obstacle and there, there wasn't anything that I had to grab onto or that I had to climb. I mean, I had to climb up to get to that ledge and I love climbing things, climbing on things, mm-hmm. um, climbing up things, mm-hmm. but, and I don't have a fear of height, but what I do have is a fear of jumping off ledges yeah. <laughs> and yeah. control. And because I always like to be in control of the situation. <laughs> Which I understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, it took me a long time to be able to jump off that ledge. There were lots of people cheering for me. There were, I mean, I knew that I'd be safe because nobody had died <laughs> doing you know. it. All the people that had gone before me and I was last. Yeah. And, um, cause I waited until last I said, you know, <laughs> just looking for a way to get out of that situation. Yeah. And was, and I kept going to the edge and, and walking back, going to the edge of walking back. And it was really, and then just to kind of see that in real time, cause I saw it on video. I was like, wow, wow. You know, looking at it, looking at the obstacle it didn't seem so high, but like looking from above, it seemed like, you know, hundred feet. massive. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, just I said, okay, I have this fear. I'm going to be scared the entire time that I'm doing this. And so I just went without thinking and just dropped off the ledge. Um, it, it took a good 10 minutes, which, which is a long time <laughs> when yeah. people are watching and cheering and um, people are trying to sort of talk you through it. And But I did it. And, and I don't even remember falling.
1: <laughs> it's almost like you blacked out.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and then I, you know, hit the inflatable thing down below and it was, I was fine. But I did say, I'm not going to do that again because I didn't like the feeling of being that afraid, but I did it and it was over.
1: (laughs) I love this story because it's all about perspective, right? So when you're in it, it looks huge. It looks like, Oh my God, like what the hell did I get myself into? And then when you're watching it back or you're watching it, when you're removed from the situation. Oh, it doesn't look, you know, like a big deal at all. And I think that's such an important message just on a like a bigger, grander scale is when it comes to fear, when it comes to obstacles in our lives, when you're in it, it's going to look bigger, but it's about how Wait. can we bring it down to scale? How can we bring it down to size? So, we go ahead and we do the thing anyway even though we're scared. Yeah crapless, yeah. you know, even
0: it's overwhelming. Um, and even, yeah, it's very hard to have a, that kind of perspective when you're up in it, totally. you're like yes. in the middle of something. Uh, and sometimes you just have to trust that things are going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, use precedent. As I said, nobody died jumping off that ledge. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to be the first one. Probably, exactly. So I probably won't die either. Um, so, <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, sometimes you do just have to, you trust yourself, trust your, um, trust your instinct, know that what you're feeling is actually fear. Cause sometimes you don't know yeah. and, um, and then just do it. You know, and there are other situations that call for like completely thinking through a situation, but, mm-hmm. um, that wasn't one of them sometimes. Yeah. As you said, you know, it looks huge and overwhelming and it looks just so big and imposing. And then, and, and, you know, and from your perspective, it is. And you have to acknowledge that that is your perspective. And But you deal with that and you say, okay, well, this is uh, really scary. I don't want to do it. I'm about to vomit. Um, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and if I vomit, it'll be midair, which will be really cool for TV. And, um, you know. <laughs> oh, man. But you've got to do it anyway, basically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Would you say that this curiosity in this – I don't know, really love for challenging yourself. Is this what motivates you?
0: It definitely is one of the things that motivates me. Um, There are other things that uh, motivate me, and it's it's just a pure love of sport, a pure love of running, of of trails, of being outdoors, of of mountains. Um, But definitely um, challenging myself. I'm like, right now I'm thinking, what's my next challenge going to be? (laughs) (laughs) Because I just finished up a pretty epic race, and it was – The most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm doing it again next year because I want that challenge again. And I want to challenge myself in new ways on that same course. But um, I definitely, I'm always searching for, you know, well, what's going to take me that extra step? What is going to show me something new about myself? Um What is going to make me just a little bit stronger? That's what I'm looking for. And also, again, as I said, I just want to be outside as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I want yeah. to be out. In there. I want to be in the trees. I want to be on top of mountains. And but it takes work to get there. And it takes, you know, a lot of uh, <laughs> physical uh, stress, <laughs> totally. mental stress totally. to to get to the tops of those mountains. But I love it because and I've worked for that. I've gotten to the top of the mountain with my own two legs. I've done this distance with my own two legs. And it just makes it, it makes me feel so human. It makes me feel um, like I could do anything.
1: What a beautiful metaphor for life, you know, just this journey that you've been on in these mountains and these races and for context, so people kind of know what race or what challenge did you just, did you
0: just complete? Oh yeah. Oh, just a little thing. Um, Just (laughs) no biggie, no biggie. It's called the Trans Rockies Six Day Stage Race and it is a 120 mile um, six day race across the Colorado Rockies, um, with, uh, you know, averaging about 20 miles a day, but some days are 14 miles, some days are 24 miles or 25 miles. And, you start at an altitude at about uh, 8,000 feet and you're running anywhere from 8,000 to 12,500 feet. Um, so that's a challenge in itself. And, e, and, and the um, total elevation gain over the week is 20,000 feet, which for some people that's not yeah. a lot. Uh, for me, <laughs> yeah. it seems insurmountable. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: I remember one time where I was, I think I was in Denver and the elevation is just so different than in Los Angeles. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much. I can't even imagine. That is incredible. You are incredible. That's a six day, (laughs) that's a six day race, a six day course.
0: That's incredible. Six day race, yeah. Um, And, you know, I tried it last year. I made an attempt at it last year and I only finished two stages. I started every day. I got a total um, of about 75 miles last year and 14,250 feet of elevation gain, but who's counting? Um, (laughs) And I swore to myself that I would come back again this year. And things happened this year. Awesome things happened this year um, where I wasn't really able to train the way I did last year. And, um, but I ch- changed my training. I had a coach and it was, it was pretty tough on me, <laughs> yeah. uh, in a really good way. And uh, I actually went out to Idaho to train with him and in his mountains over there. And, and I spent three weeks out West at altitude before the race. And that changed everything. Yeah. Um, I also, and I think this is probably the most important aspect of my completion of Trans Rockies this year. I did not do it by myself. Mm. You know, I went in thinking, you know, if I finish three stages this year, I'll be happy. And I would have been completely happy and satisfied that I finished three stages, one more stage than last year. I'll come back next year. Next year's my year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the trans Rockies community was not having it. <laughs> I finished the first day because I finished the first day last year and I'm like, okay, I'm good. You know, great. At the second day um, of the race, which is four, it's 14 miles, but it is one of the toughest days of the race. It is it's up and over Hope Pass near Leadville, Colorado, which is twelve and a half thousand feet and that's second day in. First day wow. you start at eight thousand. Um wow. <laughs> and, and yeah yeah and uh, and I think you end at nine um or maybe it's eight thousand. You go up to ten maybe and come back down and and uh second day is Leadville and it's uh, <laughs> there's no air up there. Wow. <laughs> wow. But I was already two hours ahead of where I was last year. And so, and I finished and one of the medics and the medic who had suggested that I pull last year from this particular stage was there to greet me. And he said, you are going to finish this stage. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, I looked at him, I said, I am. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, you know, I get down to one of the aid stations and one of the volunteers, Laurel, who I love, um, says, I'm going to run in the last five miles with you because you're going to finish them. <laughs> wow. And that's how it was every single day. The third day was another day that I didn't finish last year because I had stomach issues. Cause I had altitude sickness and this year I didn't deal with any of that. Thank goodness. And, um, now, third day and i had the sweeps i was always in the back with the sweepers mean uh, the people that you know that make sure everybody's okay at the end and i always make best friends <laughs> with them because i'm always <laughs> at the end and um they ensured every single day that i finished they said well you know you're going to finish you know or uh, um you uh the last mile they're like you know what if you if you walk it it's going to hurt if you run it it's going to hurt so let's run it you know wow. and so they were coaching me in the back. You know, I had people sending me messages while I'm doing the whole thing. And, you know, and I had some really, really tough days and really tough moments out there, Um, tough emotional moments, tough physical moments. But really, you know, in addition to my own sort of perseverance and spirit and whatnot, it was definitely the community that lifted me up and made sure that I finished every single day. So that's how I finished Trans Rockies this year.
1: Talk about the power of community, but also just the power of your own inner will. And that is an incredible just journey and story and race. And what was it like for you when you were running that to experience that level of community and know that it also has a lot to do with who you are, right? And Mm -hmm. your kindness and the willingness that you've had to share your journey and share your story. And, and I guess obviously, you know, really put yourself out there, you know, in that way.
0: Um, you know, you know, while I was doing that race, <laughs> I would have alternating thoughts. <laughs> right. Some were like, oh, my God, the pressure, so much pressure to finish. I just want to have a good time. <laughs> mm, yeah. I just great views. And if I don't finish, I don't finish, you know. And then the other part of me was, wow, look at these people who most of whom I don't even know personally. Look at them rooting for me! Holy crap, this is so Yay. amazing. And I, the love that I felt in those moments was so overwhelming. And I said, well, you know, you know, I'm gonna do this for myself, but I'm also gonna give back and do it for them, you know. And I and I know some people might have an issue with me saying, you know, doing stuff for other people, but like, I knew that my body could do it, so why not? <laughs> right and and why not sort of pay it forward and 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 give that love back and and showing them that they're their love and support and and energy for me and and they're taking care of me at the end of a stage and I would sit down <laughs> like exasperated and I'd mm-hmm. have they they learned what I like to have after a race and, you know, or after a, a really long day they would shove some yeah. some ginger ale in my face some some plain water and some watermelon <laughs> and Tums <laughs> And every day they they were there. So they didn't have to ask me what I wanted. They just knew. And that was really incredible. And really just, again, you know, the, the, the love and respect that I felt from them, you know, that made me want to continue and finish and finish strong. Even if I was the last finisher five out of the, out of the six days, they didn't care. Yeah. They just cared that I finished and that I proved really to myself that I could finish. And so like, who not everybody has a community like that. I mean, again, these are mostly people that I don't know or that I had just met at the race, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I feel very, very fortunate. Um, and I felt very fortunate in those moments, even when I had doubts about myself, even when I got angry about myself for moving too slowly or, or whatever. It was.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it's amazing how you starting this running journey, really, it sounds like in 2011 and starting your blog, Fat Girl Running at the same time and putting your journey out there and sharing the highs and the lows and really owning, I think, who you are and unapologetically, I should say, owning who you are and your truth and your joy and your love for running. I think it's it's amazing how in the last seven, almost probably eight years, it has really just led you to this point. And like you said, not everyone has that community, but I think when we start to be more vulnerable and put ourselves out there and share who we are in our journeys, I think those communities start to form. And so when you started Fat Girl Running in 2011, did you have any idea
0: <laughs> that, this, that this would be the result? Absolutely not. You know, I was just sharing. <laughs> yeah and you know because people did people were interested and you know my my family and my my circle of friends were were interested in what i was doing cuz i would post all the time on facebook I was a very frequent poster on Facebook, (laughs) as I am now. And, uh, you know, I'd say, oh, I did 5K today. Oh, oh, I did, I ran 10 miles for the first time in my life today. Um, Or I I used to do these crazy events, like, (laughs) that I would make up myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and then somehow get other people to do it with me. Um, You know, I I would say, today is going to be a marathon exercise day. We're going to do 26 miles worth of exercise. And so we would just do the elliptical, do the treadmill, do the rowing machine, the, do weights, do a class, swim. <laughs> and we'd do it all day yeah. and, uh, and feel really great about it and then not be able to move the next day. But, um, <laughs> you know, I would do that and people started becoming interested in what I was doing. And, and, and so, uh, one of my colleagues from, uh, one of the schools that I worked at in, in New Jersey said, Hey, you know, why don't you, why don't you just start a blog where you can write about this and like, Give us some more details, and you're a writer anyway, so you should you should be writing. And and I didn't really know how to do a blog or really what a blog was. I mean, I read them, but I didn't really know what you know what they yeah. were, in essence. And and so I uh, so she showed me how to do it, and because she had her own blog, and and I said, oh, this is cool. Like I could write my own stuff, design my own whatever, not have to answer to any editor or have, you know, editors who think that they're writers, um, edit my stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not that that had happened before. <laughs> um, and yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, I would, do that. And then, you know, little by little, I gained a little audience and it wasn't anything really, you know, it was just a small blog audience and that sometimes would share my posts. And, but I had this one post <clears throat> in 2014, actually, that it, I wouldn't say in today's, um, in today's terms, I, I wouldn't say it went viral, but it definitely got shared a lot. And mm-hmm. it was this angry post about what people say to me as a larger woman, um, when I'm out running and it was all sort of my hindsight reactions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that, uh, so that sort of caught a lot of attention. And, um, and then because of that blog post, I started writing for trail and ultra running.com. I started doing reviews and so I started building up a little portfolio of writing about running, uh, in addition to my own blog. And then in 2015 is when the blog got noticed by wall street journal. And, wow. and, and so that started, that started the, the ball rolling. It was this one blog post in two thousand fourteen that I did, I got noticed by a bunch of people in two thousand fifteen. I was contacted by um, WSJ, and so yeah, and and it you know I never ever expected any real real attention. I, I was just sharing stories, and you know sometimes they were funny, sometimes they were angry, yeah. <laughs> you know sometimes they were just you know race reports, and um, you know and and I look back on the on the blog post, the writing isn't very good. I mean it's all right, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, cause I didn't really edit myself. I didn't, you know, and, um, but, uh, yeah, that's what got everything started. And I mean, I kind of knew that just by virtue of being on Facebook, that people felt, or you know, saw my post and that, and would say, Oh, well, if Myrna is going out and doing three miles, I, I think I can at least try a mile or I can, I can go out with her and, and try to run or, or walk or whatever. I can go to the gym with her. And that's, you know, that's how it started. And that's, I think, that's essentially what this all is. You know, people will either see me or read about me or and and, and say, wow, well, if she can go out there and, and run an ultra marathon, I can I can try to start some kind of fitness something or other because, you know, and that's and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I I go out and I show myself I am vulnerable. I've failed in public many times. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that's, that's not fun. It's not fun at all. No. Uh, you know, but, you know, it's, and it's never easy to fail. Um, and it's very, it's always disappointing for me, but I get over it really quickly, because there's always something else that I'm looking forward to. But I, I'm so happy to be able to show that to people, because people get Stopped in their tracks because of failure. They get stopped in their tracks because of fear, like we talked about before. And if I can show them that you can have this fear and you can fail, but you can still keep living, you can still keep trying things, even if they're hard, even if you know without a doubt that you are going to fail. (laughs) But there's something learned in that journey. There's something that you can, uh, that you will find out about yourself. There's something new that you will find out about your heart, about your spirit, about your determination, even if you know you're going to fail, even if there is that possibility of failure. And it starts in childhood, like when depending, it really depends on how you grew up and and how you dealt with failure as a child and and, and how your community reacted when you had (laughs) failed. You know, um, all that stuff comes up in adulthood. Oh, it does. <laughs> and so, and I think that the the more the more that I, um, you know, live my life publicly, um, you know, and sometimes that's hard because uh, sometimes I just want to go to a race and just run it and not have to talk to people. <laughs> <Totally>. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But you know, the more that I can do that and um, and show people that you know, when when you can do really awesome, crazy, hard stuff. In the body that you have, it may not be an ultra marathon. It might be CrossFit. It might be, I don't know, <laughs> rowing three miles. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, you can you can at least start. You can at least try. And some people will not even try because of this fear of failure, or this fear of what other people are going to say to you or, um, uh, or or think about you. And for me, I have the blessing that I don't care. Mm. <laughs> What people think, yeah. and so, and I know that a lot of people don't live their lives that way, and and that's hard to deal with. But you know what? You can practice. You can practice not caring about what people think, yeah. and and, uh, and and practice your comebacks. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> when people say ignorant things to you, or, or you know, or give you a, a you know a questionable look. Yeah, what you shared about
1: when you were out running and the things that people would say to you, and I'm sure there are still people that have pretty yucky, nasty, gross things to say, because when you start to live your life more publicly and put yourself out there and be more vulnerable there, it's a double-edged sword, right? On the one hand, you're really inspiring people to stretch outside of their comfort zones. And I really think, you know, it's, in some ways it's giving people the courage and sort of like that, that push and that motivation and that sort of like, yes, you can do this. And then on the other hand, it opens you up for, I guess, criticism and judgment and negative comments. And we all have that whether you're in the public eye or not, but I think it adds an extra layer to it. And I love that you said you just don't care because one of the questions I had in mind as you were talking, which was the question I was thinking about was, well, how do you deal with that? What do you do? Do you just put it in a box and say that's their kind of stuff coming out and it has nothing to do with me, but it sounds mm. like that's kind of what you do. And then also just this mindset and, and frame of, I just don't care, you know, mm. I'm doing what I want to do and what you I do- love to do. And I'm not going to let, you know, their negative BS, you know, sort of get to me.
0: Right. I mean, you know, sometimes it does get to me. Um, I do have a reaction when people say negative things. Yeah. Uh, but more and more, I have the ability to just wash it off me. You know, if, if it's if people are writing things that sort of involve my reputation, I will, I will respond. <laughs> um, because, it, you know, it's, it's my yeah. reputation is at stake. And, you know, if people have erroneous information about me, which is very, very uh, common. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makeups, you know, they have this narrative in their head. These are people who are journalists, that's even, yeah. you know, have uh, just wrong information, and and so like that's correct. But um, and to make sure that people are <laughs> are not making things up, or you know, or just sticking to this narrative that they have about me that they think uh, is my life, you know, I have to make sure that I confront that. But you know, and I do have a physiological reaction <laughs> when yeah. I something negative. And I try not to, I don't read comments anymore. <laughs> I just don't, I don't, I don't read yeah. comments. if somebody puts up the REI video that I was in, if somebody puts up an article that they've seen about me, you know, very often, uh, most of the time the, the comments are very positive and very encouraging and warm. And, but some, you know, sometimes, you know, People who aren't even trolls will, you you know, they'll get in and they'll say something really negative Um, or, you know, she doesn't look like a runner. Just on a a recent um, Merrill ad that I was in and Merrill is uh, one of the companies that I collaborate with and they have been my biggest supporter since all of this happened all the stuff, you know, the good stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. And, um, we did this whole photo shoot. It was three days long and it was really amazing. Um, visuals came out of it. And, and so they put it up on their website a couple of days ago, somebody wrote, um, well, she doesn't look like a runner. How is this even possible? Mm. To, how is it even possible for somebody that looks like her to run 50 K? Shouldn't she be, shouldn't she be thinner? I mean, like, is this even realistic? Wow. <laughs> and I just happened to be, I wasn't even looking for comments. I just, I just saw the ad cause it came up in my own feed as a, you know, as a sponsored uh, ad. And, um, I was like, wow, you know, obviously I've been thinking about it because <laughs> I yeah. brought it up. Yeah. So I do, so I do, it does affect me, but on the other hand, okay. So, and this woman like says she's a, a pharmacist, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's funny. So I'm like people, I always have to remind myself that people are dealing with their own very limited perspectives of who an athlete is, who, who an athlete can be, what an athlete can look like and what athleticism is. Everybody's dealing with their own thing. And if something is particularly negative or hurtful or shaming, I have to remind myself that those people are dealing with their own darkness. That Mm -hmm. is not my darkness. You know, I can choose to take that darkness (laughs) into my own world, (laughs) or I can choose to just let them deal with their own thing. So the latter is what I choose usually. Just, you know, let them deal with their darkness and their own, whatever thing is going on in their life or whatever is not going on in their lives, that's their issue, not mine. I
1: mean, Mike drop because i think that's perfect and beautiful it's their darkness and you don't have to take it on as your own and i think kind of creating that bubble or that space around ourselves where we know who we are we know our self-worth we know what we love but we don't have to take somebody else's stuff on that for me has been like a lifelong journey <laughs> and so it's so wonderful to hear how you know yes there are highs and lows within that for you as well but you've recognized that and you you know that for yourself and i think It's so important and so crucial. And I love how that has really, I don't know, really been part of your journey to kind of make that wall or that
0: separation for yourself. You know, and it's, it's, well, you know, again, it's something it's practiced. I, you know, um, I do take things personally. Yeah, we all do, (laughs) right? You know, have to, yeah, right. You have to know when you really do have to know when something has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the challenge, um, you know, but it's easy when people don't know you, <laughs> people don't know yeah. who you are, you don't have a real human interaction with them. People don't know you. Oh, okay. Well, they, they know nothing about me. They know, they don't know my life. They, you know, they're just lashing out at something. Yeah. It's one because they need to, or they feel like they need to, that has nothing to do with me. So, um, so it's easier. It's easier in that perspective, it's, you know, um, but you know, I, and it, a lot of people deal with people like coming at them. Over and over again, and that, that the trolling, and the, it can be trolling in real life, it can be trolling online, you know. And I have received some of that, and that's what the uh, REI documentary was about. Yeah, you know, again, I, that it turned into something really positive. <laughs> yeah. Uh No, and I'll talk about it a little bit. So I was doing this. I was doing a twelve-hour race, and and my goal was to finish fifty k at this particular race, and it was uh, in two thousand seventeen. Uh, in May and the filmmaker Sarah Menzies happened to be there because she was filming me for an REI campaign the force of nature campaign and it was supposed to be about this black woman in the woods because that's a story um (laughs) (laughs) and, and you know, so, so that's exactly what she was doing. This was our first time being together, you know, as she was filming me, she's, you know, taking, she's shooting me from different points in the race and interviewing me. It was really cool. And the race wasn't very, wasn't very difficult, but it was really cold <laughs> and icy out and windy. And, but, you know, she got some great shots and three miles or two and a half miles from the end, I opened up my phone cause it buzzed, got a notification and, uh, and also, um, I opened up my phone because I wanted to take a selfie of me and my friends. Um, my friends mm-hmm. decided to join me for the last loop, and uh, we were walking, and we we're going to take it easy, but we're going to finish. And and so, but then as I picked up my phone, it buzzed. There was a notification in my email, and then um, and it was an, uh, an email titled "The Subject Line Was Running," and it was in my work email. So I opened up the email, and it was and it was this awful email that started with "You are a fraud." Wow. And uh, <laughs> how interesting because uh I <laughs> yeah. I was doing the thing that he said I wasn't doing or that I didn't do that or that I pretended to mm. do. And that was the biggest hit, like sort of hit, the biggest most pointed attack at me. And so there were lots of other things in that, e- in that email that if your listeners are interested, they can uh, go on the REI co-op website and see the video. It's called REI Presents the Myrnavator. And um, anyway, so that negativity was, I mean, it was all, awful. I'm in the middle of a race, <laughs> like yeah. at the end of a race. And I'm, you know, when you know, when you're the most vulnerable, you're in the most pain. You're, you're tired. Like all of everything is out in you. All of your emotions is, are out in the open. <laughs> Pretty much the worst time to v- to yes. read this email. Yeah. And God, I d- did I suffer a blow. Like, but <sighs> again, I had this community of friends around me <laughs> that said, "Hey, whoa! Oh my God! I don't believe that! What a jerk!" When well, they said some other choice things. Mm. So and you know, f that guy. Yeah. And they said, they said, Myrna, you are doing the thing that he says you're not doing. Like you're you're actually in it right now. Put your phone away. But before I did that, I, I was like, Well, I'm going to screenshot it and share it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it turned yeah. out, you know, that that was a horrible moment to read that while I'm, you know, uh, while I'm at my most vulnerable. But I have my community. <laughs> I had my Instagram and Facebook community because I screenshot it. And what do you know, just a couple minutes later, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages are coming at me, all of them positive, except for one on my Facebook. Uh, (laughs) uh, There's always one. There's there's always always one. Who claims they're a doctor. But um, yeah. And so I get to the end and, and, you know, hundreds of messages are pouring in and there's just like entire community of people who I don't know saying you are, you are doing it. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's probably in his basement or, you know, whatever, whatever will <laughs> say about trolls. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hate when they say, Oh, he's probably in his mom's basement, but you know, <laughs> right. Right. We, right. we don't know, but still. talking like, horribly about mom, about moms. But anyway, so again, the community came together, uh, uplifted me so much. And, you know, eventually like when I processed this whole thing, you know, I wrote about it for women's running magazine and, you know, and that was eventually what, the REI film was about, because I guess they saw something really powerful in that story that I finished anyway, yeah. <laughs> Um despite horrible troll reaching out to me at my work email. <laughs> he was so nuts to me. Yeah. Yeah. Which means he really looked for yeah, you. He, he was doing some digging. And so, yeah. And it turned into this film that went that went viral <laughs> millions and millions of views yeah and um and that you know my, my life was already crazy my life was already <laughs> nuts you know I had a publicist for three years I, I you know I you know and the the media requests were were still coming in and I still had these awesome opportunities But that really just that rocked the boat and that really was the tipping point I don't even know if you can call it a tipping point I, <laughs> if there's something yeah. like more dramatic and but that like the was the volcano it. erupted. Like that was the moment. Yeah, like Mount Etna. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like-
1: <laughs> That's amazing because I think one of the first things that I ever saw about you was that REI documentary. And I'm gonna link to it in the show notes. So if anyone hasn't seen it, they can they can look for it. But I think it just goes to show, you know, of course, like looking at that message mid-race was probably not the best thing for yourself in that moment. But yeah. I think being open about the fact that These are things you look at and you check and you you know, you weren't even looking for it, but this guy like was looking for you essentially. You know, I think it just goes to show you're real and you're vulnerable in the moment and it kind of brings me back kind of full circle to just really who you are at your core, which is this really kind, vulnerable woman who is really on a mission to do what she loves, which just so happens to be these really long distance runs because you know, Mm -hmm. it brings you so much joy and you're really i think spreading these messages of body positivity and empowerment and self-love and everything that we've sort of touched on you know throughout our conversation and for me that kind of feels like you've obviously unapologetically in some ways have owned who you are and owned your truth and own your joy in that way. And we've really touched on obviously what that journey I think has been like through throughout this conversation, but where do you sort of see this journey going for you moving forward and just continuing to put yourself out there and put those messages out there and and continue to spread them.
0: Well, thank you for saying all that. (laughs) It's
1: true, Um, you know? uh, I think it's one of those things where you probably accidentally, right, became a role model. (laughs) Like, you probably had no intentions of of putting yourself in that (laughs) position, but, you know, you sort of are, you know, for better or for worse and what all of that means. But I I think it's really the truth, you know, of who you are.
0: Well, thank you again. Well, I see myself – this is so funny because I – as I said in the beginning, I – I did leave my teaching career of 18 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which was huge. It was a huge step into uh, the abyss. <laughs> totally. Talk about leaving your comfort zone. And, and you know, oh. my job was really challenging. Uh, I was the director of equity and inclusion at my school, um, you know, which is essentially the director of diversity at a school in the South, in the deep South. And, uh, and I love the school. I loved my job. I love my colleagues and I love my students. Um, I also taught Spanish and music at different points and, and the the job offered, I mean, I never knew what the days were going to look like because it was always different. It was always wonderful and and really like extremely like emotionally challenging sometimes because I to I'm, I'm dealing with very, very tough subjects you know, things about culture and stuff like that. And so, so yes, I mean, like what I'm doing now, um, as a, as a full-time hustler is, uh, is is equally challenging in that I do, I am constantly putting myself out there for the public to see, like for the world to see. Um, and that's just, that's hard (laughs) to do that on a daily basis. Um, but, um, but it's exciting. But I do get to do, I do get to teach in a sense. You know, I get to demonstrate to people that there is more to athleticism than skinny bodies. Um, and if you have a skinny body, that is great. That's totally fine. Humans come in all shapes and sizes, nice. you know, um, but I'm here to show that there is more to that. There's more to athleticism than, than just what one body represents. And so, um, and you know, there's more to other things too. And I talk about diversity and in athletics, I can't say this word specifically in (laughs) the outdoor industry. uh, There's, there's more to running than just running a five, four minute mile or (laughs) or a sub four minute mile. And that's great. Those are all great achievements for humans, but you know, we have to also acknowledge what, other humans can do too. So, I mean, that's, that's the essence of my journey, my message, you know, and what I'll be continuing to do in the future. You know, I'll speak about it. I'll write about it. Um, I will continue to write about my own adventures. You know, I am a national geographic adventure of the year. (laughs) Um, right. so I, yeah. I incorporate that into, um, everything that I do. And I, and I want to, I also want to make adventure accessible to people who think it's not accessible to them. So, um, so whatever that means, if it means doing more events, if it means, you know, taking people on adventures, if it means doing adventure myself, you know, that's what I'm gonna do. I love this.
1: You are, I mean, cause you're not just an ultra marathoner, ultra runner. You're an author, you're a writer, you're an opera singer. You have so many things that you love and that you're interested in. And I love this component of adventure and just really seeing where your adventure goes. And, you know, I think we talked about this obviously throughout our entire conversation, but this component of body positivity and Mm self-image and self-empowerment. And have you always been in a space of body positivity? And I guess, I don't know what some people would consider a healthy self-image, because I think it goes back to the earlier part of our conversation, which was really about just the negative comments that people have, mm-hmm. and then those negative comments can become the negative comments that we kind of spew, you know, in our minds too. And so right. have you always been in that good, healthy space within yourself too?
0: Yeah. I've had the fortune of growing up in a family, you know, we didn't call it body positivity. We didn't call it healthy self-image. We just, you know, yeah. people had different ways and that was accepted. Um, and so nobody ever said anything disparaging about other people's bodies and so you know, so I, that was the space that I grew up in and that was a culture that I grew up in which is uh, definitely true for a lot of African American and Hispanic families in the United States so it's changing a bit now but um, you know back in the 80s and <laughs> 90s that's kind of you know we appreciated our bodies for what they were for the curves we had um, and that that's another word that's thrown around a lot curves and And we were appreciated and loved. And so that's how I grew up. And so that is, you know, an essential part of my own personal fabric. So, you know, of course I have my moments. (laughs) Sometimes I wish, you know, my stomach was a little smaller or whatever. But then I'm like, whatever. (laughs) This body can take me across 120 Mm -hmm. miles in the mountains. So, like, thank you, stomach. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so like I, but I, but I do, I do sometimes have to talk to myself. I have to, you know, I, I, I'm never really in a space where I, I hate my body. I've never, ever been in that space, but you know, I understand that people are. Okay. And so like, if I can, you know, empathize with them, if I can show them that, you know, your body is incredible, the human body is a really, really incredible machine. Uh, If you learn that, if you're constantly out testing your body and doing great things with your body, you appreciate it more and, and you hate it less. (laughs) um, Again, I don't have any hate or I've never had any hate for my body, but it would make sense to me that if people got out there and did stuff that Challenged them and tested them, and and showed them and demonstrated to them that their bodies were extremely capable and amazing instruments, and in you know, of the universe. That they would have, they would think differently about their bodies. They would see themselves differently. Yeah, you start to
1: foster a different level of appreciation and kindness, I think, towards yourself when you start to really see and understand, you know, firsthand what your body is capable of of doing and where it can take you. So kind of moving forward, you know, future tripping just a little bit how do you think we kind of continue to create a space for people to unapologetically be who they are and stand in their joy and their passions? And what do you think we need to continue to do as a society to kind of continue to foster that space for people?
0: I think, um, there are a bunch of things that we need to continue doing. I think one of the things, um, one of the most important things is, uh, in media (laughs) and in all kinds of media is to keep representing all different types of communities, you know, whether it's a matter of size, color, ethnicity, whatever it is, keep representing those communities and spaces that have formerly been reserved for a certain look <laughs> or a certain type of person or a certain demographic. That helps companies with their bottom lines. <laughs> uh, and it also helps the world. <laughs> and it makes people feel wanted and needed and respected because they are they are represented. And when you see yourself represented in something that formally you thought was for a particular type of person, maybe um, maybe you are a plus-size person, but you never thought that you could go run on mountains, and then you see somebody like me or, or Latoya Snell or somebody doing that, it becomes possible, it becomes a reality. It gets on your radar screen. Yeah. So when media engages in that, because we're constantly bombarded with media every hour of our day, and so that's a really easy way to continue this momentum of, of body love, body respect, body positivity of diversity and everything, you know, and also like in our, in our daily interactions with people, changing the way we speak about ourselves, changing the way we speak about others, uh, and not just their bodies, (laughs) you know, people out of our own communities, just really watching and being very aware of, of the impact of our words uh, we can have good intentions but that doesn't matter what matters is the impact that we have with our words and, and our actions and being very aware of that and a lot of people call that you know oh well that's being politically correct no that's just not being an asshole so Amen. <laughs> You know, and they don't want to give it up. Um, You know, being aware, uh, being um, being sensitive to other people is is being human. So we I think, you know, we are in a really important space right now um, in space and time where we really have to. Go back to like just being human and and being aware of others and and inviting them into our circles and being, being very uh, intentional about what we say and realizing the impact of what we say and do and just being loving, you know, and that sounds really woo woo, but you, you know, you have to love yourself, obviously. um, And when you love yourself, it's easier to love other people. So I think that's, uh, that's a really important thing that we have to be uh, worrying about these days.
1: I could not agree more. So, moving forward, what goals are you working towards? Do you have a race coming up that you're going to start to train for? What's on the horizon for you? Do you have another book? I mean, what's what's going on <laughs> in the life of Myrna, the Myrna Vader?
0: <laughs> working on ideas for my second book. I am there. I'm actually formulating my race schedule for next year, and I my intention is to do a big event every month. I've got a couple of retreats coming up. I have these <laughs> retreats called slow AF trail running adventures. <laughs> That's amazing uh, And uh, my first one sold out in four days. So I'm working on that and just again, creating spaces for people to feel loved, to feel wanted, to feel like, to feel respected. And these are my retreats are for women now, but I will probably <laughs> expand into mm-hmm. being uh, gender inclusive and all gender inclusive. And I just want to create spaces where people feel like they can run slow <laughs> and it's okay. No one's going to berate them for that, where they can come and, and meet other people who love the outdoors, who love running, but just like you don't have five minute miles or even 10 minute miles, yeah. you know, and, and no one, no one makes fun of them. No one leaves them. No one you know does their run and just leaves them out on the trail by themselves because that happens all the time. So yeah, so I that's what I'll be doing. I have one coming up in Scottsdale, one in the um, Azores in Portugal, um, and hopefully other places. And I'll be learning some other things. I'm doing a retreat in January, where I'm going to be learning how to surf. Oh my God, how cool. So, so that's you know, and I will still keep pushing my own envelope. You know, I want to, I really want to um, work on my rock climbing skills, um, which are um, non existent right now. Um, <laughs> I want to, I want to learn how to mountain bike. I've started that this summer, but I want to, you know, I'm going to get better at those things. I want to try new things. I want to do some stand up paddle boarding. I want to get better at kayaking, you know, in addition to just continuing to train for my own races. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do some Rockies again next year. I'm going to do an uh, another stage race. I want to start thinking about a hundred miler, Mm -hmm. maybe next year, but the year after that, says my coach. Uh, (laughs) And uh, you know, when I continue to travel, but I also want to bring people along with me. As I said, make it make travel and and adventure accessible to people who think it's not. So you know, hopefully, I can partner up with some companies and and really make that happen. So
1: amazing. (laughs) Okay, last question before we go, because this is the question I ask everybody who comes on. Seek the Joy podcast. Well, before I even get to that question, you have an amazing year, couple of years ahead. I love I love that you're already thinking so much about it. And so it really does tie into my next question, which is, what is your biggest dream?
0: Oh, God, I haven't even thought about that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> everything that's happening in my life, you know, I never, ever even dreamed of because it was just, not, none of the stuff was on my radar, you know? Yeah. Because I guess I don't know what I don't know. I don't know. My goodness. I do want to, one of the things that I want to do, there are a couple of things I want to do. I want to do the Annapurna Circuit. I want to do, I want to trek to Everest Base Camp. I want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Those are like the three things, the three big things. um, And they're probably bigger things, bigger adventures. Mm -hmm. But those are the three big things that I, um, that I have, you know, kind of swimming around in my head right now.
1: I love this. And I can't wait to follow you on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere else to see these adventures take place and see you sort of take flight, you know, within those adventures. And I have, I have really loved having this conversation with you and I'm so glad we connected and I'm so grateful that you came on Seek the Joy podcast. Where can everyone find you and follow along and, and really learn more about, you know, who you are and, and everything that you're doing?
0: Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much for um, having me on your show. It's been a great conversation so uh, and yeah, and it's easy, you know, it's easy to talk to you. It's not always thank easy you. to talk. That's a enemy.
1: huge compliment. You don't even know, so I appreciate it.
0: So um, I'm on Instagram as the TheMyrnaVader, also on Twitter as the TheMyrnaVader, and I'm not very active on Twitter, but I'm on there and I, I have, you know, a little uh, following <laughs> there. And uh, I'm on Facebook as MyrnaValerio-TheMyrnaVader or Fat Girl Running, one word. And then I have a group on Facebook called Fat Girl Running, also one word, all caps, where uh, any... any woman or or a female identified person can join. You don't have to be fat or curvy or or chubby or whatever word you use uh, to describe yourself to join, but it is a weight loss and diet free zone. So we talk only about athleticism and what we're doing and other rate the cool races that we're doing the, the the experiences that we have and so um and we're uh, at about eight thousand members. Uh wow. and we just started in April. That's amazing. And yeah. And so and it's and it's very strict. We have a very strict community code and so and people appreciate that um because it really is about celebrating athleticism. So that's one other thing. And then you can literally just google me. <laughs> Probably the two things that are going to come up are the REI video and the, the article about me in Runner's World. Those, those will probably be the first two things that come up. Perfect. Incredible.
1: I'm putting everything in the show notes so everyone can find you and it'll be super easy. And oh, this was so much fun. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much again for coming on Seek the Joy podcast.
0: Thank you again.
1: Seek the Joy podcast is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created, produced, and hosted by me, Sydney Weiss. You can tune into all of our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're enjoying the show, hit follow and leave us a five-star rating and review. Make sure to join the community, join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy podcast everywhere. And don't forget, you can actually watch today's new episode and all of our episodes on our brand new YouTube channel. Click that link in the show notes to subscribe and tune in. As always, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you right back here next week for another Seek the Joy Tuesday.